is your favorite room in your home and why? My favorite room is my bedroom because it's super cozy and really simple and really relaxing. What is the biggest design faux pas? Buying things that are too tiny. If you're on a budget, what is the most important accessory to add to a room? Lamps. Absolutely add a lamp. What is the best indoor plant for looks and ease? Well, it's tricky, but I'm going to go with the kangaroo paw. I don't know that one. I'll have to check it out. Do you have a favorite design TV show? I do. My favorite show right now is House Hunters International. Hey, Tedra. Hey, Julie. So today we're talking to Michaelyn Smith. She is the author of two books and a successful blog called The Nesting Place. For the last 10 years, Michaelyn, also known as The Nester, has encouraged women to embrace their homes, imperfections and all. With her signature tagline, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful, Michaelyn has empowered fans to see their home's hidden potential and create beautiful, functional spaces that they love. Today we chat about her early love of design and how that spilled into her own home and ultimately how to live a cozy, minimalist way that is effortless. She offers great ideas on how to make easy changes that make a big impact in the home. We are giving away a copy of her new book, The Cozy Minimalist Home. So Tedra, can you tell everyone how they can enter? Yeah. So to enter, we just simply want you to head over to iTunes and give us a written review. You can do that in your podcast app right there on your iPhone or in iTunes online. So same thing for Android users. So what you'll do is you'll just take a screenshot of your written review and email it to us at podcast at wegettoknow.com. The giveaway will end midnight, October 31st, 2018, and we'll email the winner. So good luck, everybody. If you forget any of these details, they'll be in our show notes on our website. You're listening to the We Get to Know podcast. And for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring bloggers and social media influencers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite influencers is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Michaelin. Okay. Hi, Michaelin. Welcome to the show. Well, hi. Thanks so much for having me. So one thing I always love just to find out a little bit of basics and background. Tell me, like, where did you grow up and a little bit about your family? Where do you live now? Well, I grew up in Columbus, Indiana, so the Midwest, and now we live in North Carolina. So I've been married to my husband, Chad, for 23, 24 years. We have three boys. One is a sophomore in college. One is a senior in high school and a junior in high school. And we have a dog, two cats, and a rooster. Oh, how fun. A rooster. Does it wake you up in the morning? He does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just like real quick before we go into the rest of this, I'm just thinking like three grown boys. I mean, living in your house, how do you even keep it clean with all those guys running around? Well, it's not super clean. Honestly, we live out in the country. We have a lot of red dirt. I mean, it's clean enough. It's sanitary. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Free of germs. (laughs) Yeah. How did you end up in North Carolina after growing up in Indiana? I married a man from North Carolina. I think that's mostly how it is. My dad was in radio. So we grew up moving around a lot. And then I married a husband who's like a visionary and an entrepreneur. And we ended up moving around a lot. But we just realized we wanted to have like a home base. So my sister married a man from North Carolina. I married a man from North Carolina. Once we moved here, our parents ended up here. So it feels like home now, even though it's not where we started. Well, that worked out with everyone ending up there for sure. It did. It sure did. I read a little bit about you and it does say that you're a design school dropout. So I was curious, why did you drop out? And then how did you end up falling in love with design in the first place? 
Well, I think, you know, we're just kind of made to love something. So growing up, I always decorated Barbie houses and frustrated my little sister because she would want to have drama and backstories and like all of these detailed histories with the Barbies. And I just wanted to play with their furniture. So it was always... (laughs) in me that like loving creating spaces and you know my parents would go out of town and instead of having a big party I'd move around their furniture and surprise them so I always loved stuff like that and ended up going to school for elementary education to be a teacher and I got like to my junior year and figured out I don't want to have to continue like I'll never be done going to school even when I'm a teacher I'll be going to school and I don't really like school it took me that long to figure that out (laughs) Well, at least you figured it out. (laughs) Right, right. So uh, Chad and I ended up getting married and I changed my major to design. But even that, as I was taking those classes, it wasn't quite centered around what I wanted to do. Like, I just wanted to help people like their house more. Like, I didn't want to have to order custom fabrics and let me measure your carpeting and then let me do this CAD program. Like, I didn't I just wanted the fun stuff, which I felt stupid about because that felt ridiculous. How can you help people in their home? Number one, being an introvert and never wanting to go in their home. Number two, just wanting to do the fun stuff. Like that did not exist. So I I dropped out of design school, started a family, but then the internet happened. And y'all, I was able to encourage women in their home, help them in their home without ever leaving mine. And it's the best thing ever. I love that. So how did that look in the beginning? Was it just posting about your own home? I mean, how did that start where you actually had people that were looking and coming to you for inspiration? Well, I didn't even start for that reason. Like, I started a blog because I moved away from my sister and she had a blog and I wanted to keep up with her. And then I found like the Pioneer Woman, all of these other blogs, and I wanted to be a part of that community. I absolutely loved that tight-knit online community who left comments for each other. And I figured out I could leave a comment, but if I wanted to not look like a killer and have like a photo pop up with my comment and maybe a a landing page to go back to, then I needed to start a blog. And that's exactly why I started a blog was so that I could leave comments on other people's blogs and make friends. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never heard that answer from anyone that we've (laughs) talked to before. Like that's how it got them going. That is exactly what got me going. (laughs) So then how did you end up, you know, being the nester? I guess that's what you, your nickname or I guess the name you go by. How did that develop? It is. Well, as much as I love the internet, I was still like convinced it was full of unibombers and killers. And because my parents gave me the name Michaelin, like if you just Google my name, my first name, you probably can find out like everything about me. And so 11 years ago, that seemed like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen is people seeing my name and being able to find me. So I had to use a pretend name. So I used the Nestor because I had at the time a business called Nesting Place. So it just kind of made sense. And so I just started writing about my house online and kind of the imperfect stuff that I did, I would hot glue drapes or I would just move my sofa around a couple different ways and show photos and maybe talk about why I decided to put it in a certain place. Or, you know, I would complain about my rental house or just different things that were super real life and not very designery or anything, but more of a camaraderie of like, oh, we are in these imperfect homes together. And let's see if we can try to love them more. And lo and behold, people responded to that. That was really fun. I know when you first noticed that you were getting traffic and people were paying attention and leaving comments, I mean, how did that make you feel? You're probably like, what? Strangers are checking this out. 
I fully expected like real designers to be mad at me and, you know, send me letters. Excuse me, ma'am, you're not allowed to do this on the internet because you're giving real designers a bad name. And so will you please remove yourself? Like I thought that's what was going to happen. Like I still didn't quite understand how the internet and the no gatekeeper thing worked, which is the whole beauty of it. But instead it was just women just like me who are like, well, you know, I can't afford a designer or the workroom to make my custom drapes, but it doesn't mean I don't like window treatments. And so let's make window mistreatments. So it was surprising, but yet in a way it wasn't surprising. It was just a place for us to all find each other. So you have a tagline. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Tell me a little bit like what that means and how that shows up in your life. Gosh, it shows up in so many ways of my life. It's really like the mantra I say to myself to be okay with imperfections, whether it's imperfections in my house, imperfections of like how I look, imperfections with date night, like no matter what it is, just a reminder that it's perfection isn't the goal. Like things can still be enjoyable. We can still find beauty and purpose and meaning and good things without perfection. And just that reminder that perfection really is never the goal for hardly anything that I do, like maybe taxes. And, you know, I'd like to brush my teeth to perfection, but (laughs) everything else is up for grabs. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So how did the cozy minimalist come about? And I'm curious, like, did that come first or did like buying the fixer upper home come first? Oh, that's a good question. Buying the fixer upper home came first because we moved from a much bigger rental house into a smaller fixer upper home. And I, over the years, we've moved like, I think this house is our 14th or 15th house. But I, y'all, was not one of those people who's like, oh, at every move I declutter and I get rid of so much stuff. No, I was the opposite. At every move, I'm like, I better save all this stuff because (laughs) in my next house, I might need it. I did the opposite of what you would think a person would do. So I was constantly moving more and more like cute decorating stuff that we might possibly use, which was fine until we moved to a smaller house. And all of a sudden, we were living in a fixer-upper. I had boxes of adorable, bargain-bought, cute decorating stuff. And, you know, our kitchen was like being re-drywalled and we didn't have a kitchen sink and I needed simplicity in my life. And I didn't want to bring a bunch of cute stuff into a house that was going to have drywall dust everywhere. So I kept everything except the bare essentials packed up. And then after a couple months living in a home with just enough stuff to like make it livable and kind of pretty, I realized how relaxing and how much I loved that whole feel. And so that's kind of how Cozy Minimalist came about. And then you realize you don't even need all the other things. So you don't have to unpack everything. It's true. And actually, that's the whole beauty of it. Because if someone would have said like, okay, here's 10 beautiful things. What do you want to keep? Well, that's a really hard decision to make. But if I have my family room in a place where I love it, then I'm like, well, I don't want to wreck it up even with this cute stuff, you know, from the Nate Berkus line at Target. So for me and my personality, it was a lot easier way to like be able to declutter or make actual decisions of what to keep and, and what should stay and what should go after my rooms were done. And so, yeah, it, it was a great way to declutter for me. How did you end up landing on Cozy Minimalist? Oh, that's a good question. I think I was really intrigued with minimalism like obsessed. Like I would read blogs and I felt like I was spying on them. Like, oh, there's those minimalists again. And (laughs) I secretly like really kind of envied when I would see a home of a minimalist or when I would see a closet of a minimalist. But then I I would realize like, oh, I'm, I'm looking at that home, like while I'm wrapped up in a throw with three pillows on my sofa and my cozy shoes on. And so there was a disconnect. I felt like, well, I'm not allowed to be a minimalist because I like throw pillows. 
But as I worked through that, I felt like I think there's enough grace there and enough maturity where maybe like, is there a place for people like me to kind of have both the best of both worlds? Can I embrace the simplicity and the intention of having just enough? And instead of seeing that as like a super negative thing, like, oh, it's, it's so sad and lacking and cold. Like, no, no, no. Like enough to meet a goal is plenty. Like that's a good thing. Like I don't want to be wasteful and have more, but yet also have a super warm and inviting cozy home and have the things in my home that throw or that throw pillow that humans actually need to be cozy. And we get to decide what level of that that we need. But just because you're a minimalist doesn't mean you don't or you're not allowed to use drapes on your windows. And then I also loved in your book, you talk about in your new book, you talk about, I'm going to butcher this too, but huga is a, how you say it, the, the Danish way of like <laughs> living happy. I know you touch on that in your book a little bit, but I loved how that sort of it's more about, not just about what's in your home, but like the feeling or the intention behind it, I guess. Is that sort of the concept? Right. The whole point of that word that I am not going to attempt to say, thank you for saying it, is... Yeah, I think yeah. it is hooga, hooga. Right. You have, you have to have like a whole... <laughs> yeah. It's a very hard word to say, but it's about cozy togetherness. So part of the definition of that word, it's not just like this cozy look, but it's this using coziness. It involves people and being together. And when you give coziness a purpose, like, oh, coziness is there to serve the people, then we have like a starting point and we have an ending point. So it's not like, well, if I like cozy, you know, if one pillow is good, that means a thousand pillows must be better. Well, no, no, no. A thousand pillows get in the way of the people. And so when we think of coziness as having a purpose and it being a tool that we can use, we have an ending point when we have arrived. And that's something that I was missing for a long time in my life because I was like, well, gosh, if one throw pillow is good, then like 20 must be better. And I never knew when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that can happen. I think I have like people who know me. I mean, if one candle's good, I might as well have 300. And I have a closet that's like stacked in like a cabinet. And I have friends that like help me move into my last house. And they're like, what are you doing with all these candles? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I have to have them. <laughs> but I want to talk about how did you become a writer? So you started your blog, but then how did that end up being, how did you end up being a book author? Well, I got to know people in the blogging world and I wanted to hang out with them at blogging conferences. And through that, I met some publishers and I met a literary agent and they kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, if you ever wanted to write a book, you know, what you're writing about could be a book. And I had never, so that never occurred to me. Someone else kind of suggested that to me. And I'm so grateful for that. I still had to do the hard work of like book proposals and, you know, taking, it took all the photos and all of that. But that's how it happened for me. Just like the right connections and happening to be at the right place at the right time. And my sister is a writer as well. So she's written like four books now. So I had a lot of inside information from her too. And that that made a huge difference. If my baby sister can go first and do things, then I feel like I can possibly do it too. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, let's talk about the book a little bit in detail and a couple things. So one thing I wanted to touch on is you have like a six-step process for decorating a room. And then I guess, can you just tell us like briefly, like what do those steps look like? And then like if you skip some or don't follow along, like what can happen? I think the biggest mistake that we make in attacking our rooms is 
making decisions in the wrong order. A lot of us are really good at figuring out like, oh, I like that sofa or, oh, that doesn't look good there. But the problem is we do things in the wrong order. And so even though I'm not a big fan of like, here is your exact recipe to follow, I do think it's really good to have some guidelines when you're working through a room. We always work one room at a time to do things in the right order so we're not maybe painting the walls before we know what color we should choose or, you know, different things like that. So the order of things, we start with just clearing out the space. So of course, we're going to work one room at a time. And I call it like quieting or hushing the room. And you're going to take as many things out of the room as possible. So all your artwork, your lamps, all of your little tchotchkes, if you can roll up the rug, if you can take down your drapes, you don't have to take, you know, your sofa out or your TV out. But the goal is to get your room kind of back to zero so you can see things with fresh eyes again. I love that. I think it's like less intimidating to think about tackling the space if you sort of do, you know, with that mindset. I like that a lot. Yes. You know, I think we think like, oh, I have my family room. I need to change. I'm kind of sick of it, but it's so daunting and overwhelming and I don't have a budget or I don't have time to go to the furniture store. So forget it. We always assume that it starts in the furniture store, but it usually just starts in our head and like paying attention to, well, what, what is it about the room that you need to change and how do you use the room and how will your family be using the room in the future? Not how did you use it last year or how did the builder say you should use it? But like, what would be the best use of this room for your family in the next couple of years? And so really just putting in some mind work that's not like picking out fabric or anything like that can go a long way for us. And so those are kind of like some pre-steps that we work through. We make a Pinterest board, like it's all really fun. And what that does is it gets you motivated and excited to work in your room. So once you clear it out, I'll just go through the steps really quickly. We just get the furniture in the right place. So in the book, like we talk about how to do that and, you know, some different places to try your furniture. But the big thing is to get your big pieces in the right place. Because a lot of us, we move into a house, we put the TV where the old previous owners had the TV, we put the sofa across from it, and we immediately hang art. Womp, womp. So true. (laughs) I've done it too. And then I'm like, why is this room not working? It's because we did that. Like our TV... It's different. We might have different number of people in our family that need to watch TV together. We might have a different size or shape sofa than the people before us. We might need to room, use the room differently. So all of those factors come into play with how the room should be laid out. So the very first thing you ever, 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 ever want to do is get your furniture in the right place, starting with those big pieces. So you do the biggest pieces and you work down to the smallest pieces. And then from there, we'll bring in like rugs and drapes and lighting and we get the correct size because that's another big mistake that we all do. We get stuff way too tiny and then we attack our walls. So, you know, we're not even hanging wall art till much, much later, which a lot of us tend to do like two days after we move into a house. And I am so guilty of that. Well, it makes sense because then you're hanging it based on like where everything ended up versus you know, just the center of a wall somewhere because it might not be exactly centered. I take it if you have like a table underneath it or something. Exactly. So where you put your lamps and where you hang your drapes and where you center your sofa, that dictates your wall space. And if you don't do that in the right order, then you don't actually know the outlines of your walls. 
your new book, Cozy Minimalist Home, you have an upcoming book tour, which I guess is, is that launching with your Nest Fest that I was reading about? It is. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about this Nest Fest. And I so wish I lived in North Carolina because I want to go so bad. Oh, I wish you lived here too. It is the funnest day. It's the best day of the year. We say this is our third annual Nest Fest. So every October we open up our property. We're on 12 acres and we have a little white barn that we've changed into like a big family room. And we host like 50 vendors. So about three months before Nest Fest, we open it up for people to apply to be vendors. So we have home decor stuff. We have pickers and junkers. We have artists. We have all kinds of people that come and sell their wares. And then we usually have 10 to 15 featured authors that come and sell and sign their books. So we have amazing authors. This year we have the cast of the Popcast coming for meet and greets. And we have food trucks. and I love. Are they so fun? They're, the They're so funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so it's a little bit of everything and it's a full day. It's just like from 10 to five for us, me and my husband, it's a way to like practice hospitality with the internet and the online community. For me, for someone who talks about imperfect hospitality, like it's a way to actually put that into practice as well. But we do have to sell tickets because it's unlimited. We only have a permit for a thousand people. So we sell out every year. This year, we'll probably sell out a couple weeks before we even have the event. And this year, it's like the kickoff for Cozy Minimalist Home. That is so awesome. It is so fun. (laughs) It just worked out that way. But yeah, we're building a little tiny house. It's more like a tiny barn. It doesn't have a kitchen or anything in it. And decorating it in the Cozy Minimalist way. And that will be here at Nest Fest. And then we take it on the road for the tour. I love that. That is going to be so fun. So is it going to be you and your husband going or are you going on your own or who's going with you? Well, my husband has to drive the big, huge truck with the big, <laughs> tiny house behind it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going and then at every stop, we'll have a local host that probably, you know, a lot of your listeners and our online communities have hopefully heard of and know locally. So that'll be fun. I think I'm going to get to see you guys at one of the stops. I hope so. I think we're coming there. In Austin. Yeah. Yeah. We're all signed up to come. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to meet you in person. So yeah, we'll have like a Zondervan. Some of them are coming out as well. And then we're so lucky to have local bookstores hosting us. So they're doing all the hard work and we get to do the fun part. I love that. Okay. So I'm going to pass you off to Julie, who's got some fun, just like quick, lighthearted questions. But one more thing before I do that, you have like an online course. I was sort of curious, like, what is that? And how does that work? I do. I have right now, I have a four session online course called The Cozy Minimalist. It's seasons and celebrations. So it's not really what the book is about. It's like, okay, now that you have your house in place, how do we attack every season? Because I know you want to get your home decorated for the season. And how do you host for each particular season? And so that's what the online class is about. So we have fall, winter, spring, and summer. They are so fun. The classes are my favorite thing to make. They have music and talking and all sorts of just simple inspiration that you can go through in about an hour and then apply to your home that very night. So fun. Okay, Julie, we'll get in there. That's, I want to hear what you have to say about all these fun questions we're about to ask. Okay. All right. Well, I'm one thing I just, I cannot wait to hear more about the nester. That sounds so amazing. And what a fabulous idea. Oh, thank you. What is one or two great tips you can share with our listeners? It could be about your book, your design aesthetic, anything, life in general. Ooh, 
ooh, okay, well, at first I had something that wasn't housey, but now I think I'm going to talk about housey stuff. One tip I have is in every room, you want to have something with life in it. So either a plant, a bowl of fruit, a kitty cat bed that she can sleep on, a bowl with a fish in it. So rooms can look like really stagnant and dusty and dead, not necessarily because they need to be dusted, but just because there's not something that feels alive in it. So that's one tip. My other tip is just like, this is just a little gift I give to myself, which is I try to have one cleared off surface in every room, which means <laughs> there's not decor living on that. Easier which, said uh, than done, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Because we love beautiful decor, don't we? <laughs> yes. But th again, that's also great. Like you never think about that. But in reality, that seems like something that would be aesthetically so nice to look at. It is. And it doesn't mean you're not allowed to yeah. mess up or put stuff on it. But it's like it's ready for you to use is the whole point. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? I go to bed about 8 o'clock every night and I wake up about 5.30 without an alarm every morning. That is super impressive. We can talk about that on another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's out of my hands. It's just the way I, would, I hate it sometimes. You've unplugged. How do you decompress? I take a bath or I float in the pool. Here are three people you love to follow on Instagram. I love following Edie from Life and Grace. Brie McCoy, she cooks all kinds of amazing food and her stories are hilarious. And the Beth Keys, Jefferson and Alyssa Beth Key, I love following both of them. So that's extra. Excluding social media, what is your favorite app? Uh, probably the PBS app. Oh, I'm so nerdy, y'all. <laughs> that's the first. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm 160 years old. <laughs> Name the book you currently cannot put down. Oh, Wondering Years by Knox McCoy, part of the podcast. This book, y'all, is so good. So good. What is your current Netflix addiction? Father Brown. It's like a cozy mystery from the BBC. Who would you love to have coffee with? My sister. I'm easy to please. <laughs> Do you live by a motto? Probably my motto right now is it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. What meal would you choose as your last meal? I'm simple, like iced coffee and a good bread and olive oil, and I'm, I'm good. What is the best gift you've ever received? Just recently, I got a surprise, and I don't usually like surprises, but this was a singing telegram, and it was so delightful. It was the best gift ever. Oh my gosh, do they do, still do those? <laughs> they do, they still do them. That's amazing. <laughs> Can I ask you who it was from? It was from my publisher, Zondervan. So they used it when they gave me my first copy of the book. So they had like a guy come out here and he was dressed up in the vest and the little top hat and everything. And they wrote the song and he sang it. And at the very end, he handed me my book. And I didn't realize what was happening. That is so clever. The best thing. <laughs> okay, so last question for you. What is the greatest life advice you've ever received? This is the hardest question I've ever received. <laughs> so I just try to think of like, what's the most recent advice that like kind of has rolled through my head a couple times. And one thing that my sister said that I've been coming back to a couple times this year, her name is Emily Freeman, Emily P. Freeman. She says, it doesn't have to be new. It just has to be true. And I have applied that to my home, 
to things I'm writing about, to like how I'm thinking about creating things, like all different things and aspects of life. It's not about coming up with new flashy things, but like, what can I say that is true about this? And that's really kind of changed my perspective. That's really amazing. It seems like pretty basic, but yet very intricate. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. All right, Michaelin, it's been so wonderful talking to you today. We cannot wait to meet you in Austin in a few weeks. And congrats on your new book. It's amazing. Thanks so much. I can't wait to meet you guys too. So before we go, tell our listeners where they might find you, your social media and your website and all that good stuff. Sure. Well, I'm online at thenester.com. I hang out every day at Instagram at thenester. And those are the two places I am the most. Okay, perfect your book i guess you can buy that anywhere right and amazon anywhere yep anywhere books are sold it should be available awesome okay well thank you so much it was a joy to talk to you today thanks ladies it was so fun all right take care thanks bye-bye bye Okay, Julie, so time for a little host-to-host chat. So now we're talking design. Tell me, like, what's your favorite design element in your own home? Well, that's easy. It's definitely my long, my very long dining room table. It can seat, I think, like 14 people. And it's just, I don't know, it makes me happy just looking at it, filling it up with people that I love and good food. And so for sure, that would be it. And perfect for probably folding laundry, stacking books if you need to for a little bit. That's like the boring stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I'd much rather have family and friends and food than laundry. True, true. But yes, it is multi-dimensional. Yeah. I think for me, I probably would say, I know it's weird, but I have this giant bulletin board in my house and it's not like a classic like high school, college dorm room bulletin board, but it's like, like finished. Like polka dots with grow grain ribbon no, across nothing it. Nothing like that. <laughs> like that but it's huge and it goes almost to my ceiling so probably a good nine feet tall but it's like a thick wood frame like beautiful like you know it's really pretty and it's just loaded with all sorts of photos and memories and little ticket stubs and all sorts of things of my life and I never tire of looking at it and it just everyone that comes to the home they gravitate towards it all the time everyone goes straight to it like a am I on the board b like oh this is your life and so anyway what I love the most right now. Yeah, I love that. Very personal and touching. Yeah. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. Also, if you're listening to this right now, take a second and just share this podcast with a friend, someone you think might like it. That really helps us. It helps people find out about our show and helps us grow. So you can find us online at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for a newsletter and we're on social media at We Get to Know. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell from Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite people. 